Are You There, God? Yes. It's us, Sid King and Becca Stevenson. Welcome to Good Girls Gone Sad. This is the podcast where we dispel the rumor that good girls go bad. Sometimes they go sad, but mostly we go wherever we want. Um, and we're here to unpack our religious drama together. And yes, that is right. We said drama because we believe that the best parts of religion are performative. Um, so we're not here to bash. We're just here to bond. And we just want to um, get some good girls together to have some good conversation. Today, we have uh, Vanessa Jackson with us, um, a New York comedian. And if you want to give us a little a little background, a little, maybe drop some of your credits, whatever you want to awesome. say. I love it. Cool. Okay. I'm Vanessa Jackson. Um, I'm a writer and stand-up comedian in New York City. Currently, I write for, well, just finished on um, season 47 of Saturday Night Live. Congratulations. It's a fun season. Thanks. I wrote for season two of A Little Late with Lily Singh. Ever heard of it? No one has. Oh, we have. I have, yeah. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Yes. Love that. Lily Singh, who's going to be the human character in an upcoming Muppet show. Is she really? Yes. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that. That's important to only me. So. Yeah. <laughs> what a come up. I love that energy for her. Cool. Awesome. Well, cool. We're really excited to have you here. So um, so the listeners know, Vanessa was actually on our first live show for Good Girls Gone Sad. So she has very kindly offered to be our guinea pig more times than one. Um, so we really appreciate that you're here to come play with us again. Um, glad we didn't scare you off too much in our live show. And yeah. I, I think you played one of our most favorite games of all time, which was Women in STEM, which is a very simple premise. Is this person a member of Hillsong or Scientology? And, and I think you got every single one correct. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. You're so good. <laughs> and hopefully we can trip you up today. Yay. That's the goal. I don't know. If you got 100%, I would just have newfound respect. So I don't think anybody on the podcast yet, I mean, all five people we've talked to, but I don't think anyone has yet to um, get 100%. So you're a rating champ. No, Sam did. Oh, Sam did. You're right. And hers was hard. So that's a good point. But extremely specific. So we had (laughs) my sister on the podcast and Uh she is a, she's an animator, um, Uh but she's a like a writer for Disney and all this stuff. So we did, there's this, have you ever heard of Focus on the Family? Yeah. Okay. So there's Unplugged, uh-huh. which is, or sorry, Plugged In, which is their reviews of um, like Christian or like all media from the standpoint of, is it approved by Christian values or not? Yeah. And I would read the like scathing reviews and she had to guess which movie. And she got a hundred percent and it was not easy. Wow. So go back to listen to that episode. It's so funny. It was really great. It was very impressive. Well, awesome. Well, we're really excited that you're here. Um, we start every episode by just talking a little bit about your good girl origin story. So that can basically just be anything that made you a good girl. A lot of people talk about religion. We've also talked about academics, things like that. Basically anything that caused you to um, become sad as an adult, if you want to, if you want to talk about your background. That's so funny. Anything that caused you to become sad as an adult. I'm like, okay, <laughs> back in first grade. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. That's what we do here. <laughs> oh, yeah. had, like, they're like, um, someone's origin story was like, well, I'm the oldest child. So then my sister was born and I was immediately became protective. And now, and now I'm sad about that. And we're like, yeah, it starts day one. That's so funny. I don't know. I think I have always been super, uh, not super, but a little bit of like a, uh, 
I feel like people pleasing is always the, the not the right word for me, but more so of like a selfless, but to like a crippling level where it's just like, I will go down for other people to not like my mom always tells a story and this might be my origin story of uh, we were doing track. I was on like the track team in elementary school. And there was a girl who I think she had an asthma attack or something happened to her. And instead of like finishing the race, I stopped to like help her which is great in theory mm -hmm. because I definitely stop and help people. But I feel like that's carried on into my adult life where I like will sacrifice my own happiness in the form of like making sure other people are okay to the point where it's like, okay, maybe chill out, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe figure out your own kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think it all started back then, but I don't know where the like people pleasing mentality came from or just like the idea of being like, okay, let me make sure everybody else is good. And then I'll take care of myself, which is uh, yeah. That's kind of where, where it all began, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. No, totally. Are you a sibling? Yes. Yeah. I'm one of four. So I have two older, uh, no, I have an older brother, an older sister, and then a younger sister. So you're the middle. Sister's only like a year apart from me. Mm -hmm. So we're like very close, almost like twins in a sense. And then, and, and people who are twins are going to hear that and be like, no, you're not. I'm like, <laughs> you're right. Correct. <laughs> Yeah, in a sense, uh, and that my younger sister is uh, eight years younger than me, nine years younger than my older sister, and then like 12 years younger than my brother. Um, so so she was, gap. yeah, she was like the surprise of like, oh yes, we have another one coming. Um, but yeah, we're all very close. We're, we're a very knit family, which is cool. Do you think you identify more as like a youngest child or a middle child? Because you were youngest for a long time. Yeah, I that's so funny you say that. I always tell people that I mostly feel like I identify as like a baby child in a sense. Um, because yeah, we were all so much older than her that it felt like she was like a not we were parental figures. My parents were there obviously, but we all kind of like watched out for her a lot. But I feel like during my prime years I was like a baby child. So I feel like I have probably more baby child attributes. Yes. Like, I get that. Sid and I are yeah, we're both the youngest. <laughs> A baby child, just a I, baby child. I was absolutely the baby child, and I took full advantage of it. Yeah, I only have one sibling, and she's four years older than me, and um, she's very like, like very much an older sister, and I was very much like, so I'm gonna do musical theater. That was. <laughs> That's so awesome. I was like, I'm getting attention and I like it. So I'm going to continue on down that path for the rest <laughs> of my life. Whatever puts me in the spotlight, I'm there for it. That's yes. Funny. And then she would always get roped into it too. Um, so I like really wanted to do musical theater and our parents both work. So they're very busy. So if I did it, she had to do it too. But then it turns out she was like a better singer and a better actress and honestly funnier. Oh so God. she would always get casted like better parts over me. And uh, I definitely don't resent her for that. I have no no lingering resentment I'm not angry about it oh, that's, so great. <laughs> that's really funny because I did everything my sister did probably for the same reason but also because I was like desperate for her to think I was cool <laughs> and so she danced so I danced like my mom tells the story of when I was like three years old dressed in a tutu to go pick my sister up from dance like just longingly staring into the studios like I want it to be me Aww. um so and I think that was annoying to her that I I jumped in on all of her activities and they were no longer just hers but I just thought she was so cool yeah I wanted to make her think I was cool too but 
um she was like cool and older and more reserved so a great example of this is that i had a tea party for my birthday one year and i keep throwing my phone around like we're not recording the audio on it so we had a tea party for my birthday one year and she was forced to come and all she was like known as the best artist like i said she's an animator so all of my friends knew her as the best artist also i went out of i swung for the fences went out of my league and invited the popular girls and they did end up coming so this was like my big my big break this tea party and then they were all like sam will you draw me samantha will you draw me so then it just turned into her like doing caricatures for everybody like for the whole party and i was really mad about it and i'm sure she has no recollection of this at all but (laughs) this explains a lot about your dynamic honestly i love it (laughs) <laughs> yeah we used to be mean to each other and then as we became adults we we're like no you're the coolest person on the planet no you're the coolest person on the planet Aww. and now we're like obsessed with each other so I love that yeah but to yeah. my point where my friends are like we get it my friends do have a countdown timer they're like oh she just met somebody new and it was three minutes in before she mentioned sam is a disney animator <laughs> okay i feel like you waited a long time to tell me and like if i were me- meeting people in the comedy world i would have to flex really fast i think so I was impressed that you waited so long to say that. It has didn't get as good reception in comedy as like people, because then I'm just like, she's a Disney adult. So I guess in comedy, I wait a little bit longer. <laughs> I fully embrace that I'm a Disney adult. And I'm like, if you have any questions, I'm here to answer them. Oh. I know it can be a confusing lifestyle for some people. Um, I want to be really open and honest about my Disney adulthood. A confusing lifestyle. That's so funny. <laughs> but does it count as a Disney adult if you have like a connection to actual Disney? I feel like no. Uh, it when did it start? That's the question. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't have to, but it definitely, for me, does. I, I, before she worked, I remember when she worked there, when she got her job, it was like, oh good, now we just won't have to pay to get in. But yeah. we were already paying. I had an annual pass. I lived in New York City, had an annual pass for the park in Anaheim yeah. before she worked there. That's so So funny. I was a Disney adult before that. Yes, you're like this Disney, Disney child, Disney adult, Disney teen. Disney TA. I was a, yeah. Yeah, I was like, um, I was just, if Radio Disney was a person, that was me. I love that. That's awesome. That's amazing. Oh, so I love it. Fun. Vanessa, I'm sorry, wait, we're going to circle back to Vanessa because this no, is not about good. me simply. Um, I'm from Arancho Cucamonga, California. Okay. Yeah, so like an hour outside of LA. So I know a lot of Disney adults because we were very close to Anaheim and mm-hmm. everybody like had passes and stuff growing up. Actually, my brother and sister-in-law are kind of Disney adults, but they have kids now so they can kind of cover it under the guise of like, no, we're just great parents, but also slightly Disney adults. <laughs> You, you can get enjoyment out of it. I think I think the first step is destigmatizing the term. <laughs> That's so fun. It is such like a dirty, now it's just like a Disney adult, which is so mean. Like we all have our, I always say about everyone's hobbies, we all have our like hobbies and splurges that we're into. It's so mm-hmm. funny that people will like make fun of somebody else's. It's like, you also are into weird things. Calm down. It's great. Or you're not into weird things. You're yeah. into more boring things. And I'm sorry, <laughs> pick something more interesting. I'm so. sorry you like fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I dated this guy who was like obsessed with the Rangers. And I'm like, just because it's hockey doesn't make it less intense that you know every single person exactly. on the team. Exactly. I agree. That's how I always say about like entertainment. I'm really into like Oscars and award shows. And I'm like, okay, you also have your thing. It's sports, but it's the same thing. Same mm-hmm. vibes. You mm-hmm. know? Exactly okay. the same. A fun fact about me is I've only been to Disney once and I got lost. And oh. it was a very dramatic day for my family. So 
that is just my fun little Disney origin story. But um, yeah, it was a true like sibling moment because my sister and brother had gone downstairs, but I thought they went outside. And my mom was like, you can go downstairs if you are ready. Like we'll get come out for breakfast in a little while. And they were apparently like right outside of the hotel room, but I went all the way outside, started wandering around and then got picked up by security. It was like, we need to like have this protocol going for this child. So I was fine when they picked me up. I was not scared, but everyone else was very scared. Oh my gosh. I was, I was five. Yeah. So you were just hanging out and vibing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, oh, Disney World in the morning. We love it. <laughs> so I think you might be a Disney adult. You're like, yeah, we've got to get out there. We've got to rope drop. Wow. We've got to, like, you got to get to the park as early as possible. That was in you from the time you were five. So, well, you know, I've never been on a roller coaster. That's a sad fact about me. Oh, yeah. You're afraid of roller coasters. How, how do you feel about roller coasters? I don't hate them. I'll do them, but I'm not the person who's going to voluntarily be like, oh my gosh, let's go to an amusement park. Mm-hmm. you've never been on one, on one ever no I went well in at Disney World I went on the goofy ride which was like a baby roller coaster but I've okay. never been on yes yeah I went through we went through a house is you that barn. okay you, went to the barn. you stormed a barn it's the barn stormer okay I stormed a barn and but I never went on like a real real roller coaster and I my friends made me go on one of those fair like swings that swing all the, it's like a, like oh, a ship no. Oh my gosh. It was so scary because my body lifted up from the seat and I was like, absolutely not. And I don't really respond to peer pressure. Like it's just not something that motivates me. I an excellent Christian child. <laughs> literally if people peer pressure me, I get like, I double down. I like dig my heels into the ground and I'm like, no, I'm definitely not doing that now because you want me to. So it's a strange, like stubborn non peer pressure vibe, but yeah. So I, did it and I was so mad that I did it because I was like this is why I don't do peer pressure this is why I've never done drugs this is like why I normally avoid things that scare me <laughs> never done any drugs no yeah. um famously she won a dare essay contest and it worked really mm-hmm. yes what did you get for the prize mm. a picture <laughs> with a dare officer oh no actually we read it we read our essays um, there were like four of us who were chosen and there's a very funny picture that my friend sent me recently and was like you probably need this for your comedy um, of us like sitting on the stage with our dare t-shirts holding our essays that's so great wait who did you read it to oh like um like at a oh my gosh what do they call it when like an assembly <laughs> of your school yes so we read it at least to the fifth grade I'm pretty sure it was to the whole school and you felt no shame. You were like, this is cool. No, I was like, give me a stage. <laughs> that's, no, that's true. Because I, I, that sounded condescending. I would have absolutely been like, this is cool. Well, also when you're 10, I don't know. I'm sure there are some people oh, who right, are like. A bunch of kids out there like, go <laughs> read every day. We are <laughs> 10 year olds in North Carolina. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. I do. Okay. I want to go back to the people pleasing though, because I am also a little bit of a people pleaser, um, except for when I'm digging my heels in and not trying to do things that scare me. Um, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. True. I'm curious, Vanessa, like, do you have any sense of where that came from? Like are either of your parents people pleasers or any of your other siblings, or did you feel like you had to keep the peace with your siblings? 
No, I would even say it's probably outside of my family even. I don't, I feel like I don't even act that way or respond with my family, but for some reason, I don't know. I try to think about where it came from or why I'm just like hyper focused on, uh, I don't know. I think it comes from like a, I do enjoy like making other people happy, but for some reason I'm like, I will overdo that. And I have no idea why. That's so interesting. Maybe therapy? That feels healthy. (laughs) Therapists love to tell you you're people-pleasing too much. Let me tell you from experience. (laughs) Oh, good. Maybe I'll talk to one of those then. (laughs) I'm pretty sure a therapist would be like, have you tried pleasing any people ever? (laughs) (laughs) That's the balance. I'm like, no, I've been been doing okay so far. And it's like, no, everyone, (laughs) actually, I'm not a therapist. This is an intervention. You're annoying. Okay. That's so funny. Are you the opposite of people pleaser? I think so. <laughs> You're a said pleaser? <laughs> I'm a pleaser. Yeah, because I, I do find that in like an emergency situation or like things have gone bad and there's nothing we can do about it. But um, I have the opposite reaction of everybody else. So if nobody's freaking out and I think somebody should be freaking out, I will be freaking out. Mm -hmm. And if everyone's freaking out, I'm like, this is, what are you freaking out about? I like be calm. This is, and it's, it's helpful when I'm the one that's calm, not helpful when I'm the one that freaks out. But I think (laughs) I just need everybody to feel the gravity of the situation the same way I do. So, but no, I don't people please. And more recently in life, I used to be a perfectionist. And I remember the first time I got a B in high school and I cried. So I was like, I'm going to get a 4.0 and I'm going to go to an Ivy League school. Flash to my day of graduation in college, not being sure I actually passed my business law class, turning my tassel and being like, (laughs) I did pass business law. I do have an official degree. Um, but I just like lost a lot of that. Yeah. yeah, but I did have like really bad ADHD growing up. And so like I was used to making people uncomfortable and unhappy <laughs> all the time. So um, I was pretty used to that. But I think people, cause like, like, I don't know when you have ADHD as a little kid, it's like very cute and very charming. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would literally just go into the hallway in elementary school and read everybody's like whatever art was in the hallway, whatever essays were on the wall, I would just read all of them. And like a teacher's aide would just be like, oh, Sydney, yeah, kind of thing. And like all the teachers loved me because I was just like, I would ask them about their lives. I would offer them massages. We could circle back on that later. Not a good thing. Um, they'd give me candy. Um, so I was, it was like cute when I was a kid. And then I had to figure out like as an adult, like you can't be precocious forever. Yeah. You can't be uh, wise beyond your years forever you have to it catches up with you eventually so <laughs> eventually you forget I was just curious if you felt like your pressure to be good and you know people pleasing and things like that like was that mostly internal or did you have like external pressure like at school or oh, the weirdest part I've always held this weird internal pressure and I also literally don't know where that comes from either I think it's just one of those things of like how you're wired I will like overwork myself and I'm always just like doing too much to the point where outside people have to be like hey you good (laughs) I'm like I don't know am I um so yeah it it is a weird but now I'm learning that I haven't done enough self-searching um I as one of those where I'm like very type a but I think also I'm just now realizing in adult life how 
intensely type A that I am when it comes to like a task. I'm like, if you give me a task or like something, I feel like I have to do it to like the the best of my ability. Like I can't just hear, yeah, it's, it's very weird. I can't just be like, oh, okay, I'll kind of do this or whatever. I'm like, if you tell me that, like if I want to climb Mount Everest and you tell me exactly the steps, I'm like, okay, I will follow those to a T, <laughs> even though you're like, oh, it might not work in that way. So I feel like I'm sometimes the same way with people where I'm like, I'll go above and beyond, but sometimes to like, yeah, my own uh, fault. I'm like, maybe you should have just gone lower and not above. I was trying to do what's the opposite of above and beyond and I couldn't think of it on the flat. <laughs> below and below? <laughs> below? Below and backwards? <laughs> below and backwards, yeah. Below and backwards. Below and backwards, name of my memoir will be below and backwards. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. Great deal happening. That's really good. How do you see, because I mean, I think when you talk about like doing a task really well and wanting to finish it and everything, I feel like that probably translates really well to your writing career and having deadlines and like needing to meet those deadlines and feel like you're you're producing enough work and stuff like that how do you like how did you kind of transition into wanting to be a writer and wanting to be a stand-up comedian and like do you think any of your good girlness um has contributed to that yeah I think it's helped a lot more because comedians are uh what is the word I'm looking for notorious for being very lazy a lot of times <laughs> not showing up on time and being very like laissez-faire and so I think it's helped me in that sense where I'm like one of the rare ones who's like on time like too early for shows and stuff like that <laughs> and like very it stresses me out a lot now though when you're doing like multiple spots a night and mm -hmm. I'm always just like running from spot to spot and very stressed about making it on time and being there when I'm supposed to and like so it helps me and it hurts me in that sense because I feel like if I ever have to, there's been random times where I've had to like drop out a show or something because there's like a, a an overlapping spot or I thought I'd be able to make it. The amount of times that I thought I'd be able to make it from Manhattan to Brooklyn in 10 minutes, crazy. <laughs> you were flying. Why. Yeah, I do this so often and I'm like, why did I, why did I think I'd be able to do that? What was the thought process there, Vanessa? Um, so yeah, it helps and it hurts. It helps me be like very focused and very like attention to detail but then I do get like stressed and overwhelmed because I'm like okay I have to make it from here to here to here to here to here and we're gonna see how this works out so yeah it kind of just depends are you guys the same way at all very type a no I once again the ADHD is no I I think I, I've recently <laughs> I've recently heard the term time blind and oh. that's a hundred percent me we're like basically um, I have a concept of time that is not actually how time works. So <laughs> if my brain does not think I need a certain amount of, like, basically I'm, I'm late everywhere. Yeah. I am constantly late, like a hundred percent of the time. And if I, if I'm somewhere on time, that is luck. Only <laughs> luck. Um, Becca's like, mm -hmm, yeah, <laughs> firsthand experience with that. Um, and it's basically like my brain's like, okay, it's going to take me this long to get there, but I like can't account for walking to the train. What if a train doesn't come for another 10 minutes? Yeah. Like, or I have to leave an hour before I need to like be there. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's been a problem. <laughs> that is a problem for me. Um, but also I think my like whimsical is not the right word. Wow. That's, that's putting a lot of I'm not cute, not whimsical. Um, my spontaneity has been helpful for me in comedy. I'm not saying you're not spontaneous, but I think like the off back end of that has been helpful for me. Yeah. But 
Becca's definitely more type A than I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's funny, I'm type A about some things, like, I don't know, my parents used to always say my sister's type A, my brother's type B, and I'm type AB, like, because some things I'm really intense about, like, school or if I have a deadline or like trying to get stuff done but then I'm super messy like in my personal space I'm very messy and I don't have like I don't know I'm kind of late for personal things sometimes but I feel like professionally I would never be late and I'm always like 15 minutes early like I think yeah I feel like for comedy purposes it's like been helpful in a lot of ways but then I also try to do too much and that's like my fatal flaw especially this year poor Sid has seen that a lot um but I'm like yeah I'm gonna try to have a full-time career that's like you know kind of stressful and a lot but then also try to do a podcast and try to have a show and try to be on shows and like I'm just trying to do all this stuff and when I don't meet my own expectations for myself I'm so disappointed and I'm so sad and I get this like hot guilty feeling that like I can't get rid of it's like my whole body feels hot and I'm like I don't know what to do about it because I'm letting people down and I hate that it's okay I'm late everywhere so um I'm constantly letting Becca down <laughs> mutually letting each other down we'll cut that out that's so sad <laughs> it's really sad it's a beautiful relationship of letting each other down but I do I do think that like I don't know I feel like my therapist says this a lot she's like you need to think about like the ways that you're framing things like me saying like I'm letting you down by being stressed and not doing stuff like when we've decided it needs to happen is like like I need to think about sometimes what I want to do and when I can do it and like what works for me rather than be like everyone's disappointed like I'm ruining other people's lives because I can't do this thing the way that I said I was gonna do or whatever yes very true but that's also like you're not ruining yeah you're not ruining anyone's life that's a very self-centered mindset which I understand because (laughs) I am very self-centered like it's it's a comfort to me when people are like they people don't think about you as much as you think that they do that's comforting to me that is to me too I just never remember that I'm always the same where I'm like oh everybody's gonna hate me and this is the worst thing ever and you're like oh yeah really it doesn't matter and and if they do hate you that also really doesn't matter (laughs) like at the end of the day I think yeah being comfortable with no, we do recognize and hate you. And like, you're just going to have to get over that. Yeah. The feeling of people being mad at me, like makes me sick to my stomach. It's really, I cannot abide by the feeling of people being mad at me for any amount of time. Did you tell the book story, the library story? Oh yeah. I, um, so when I was in like probably third, third grade, maybe younger, I was supposed to bring my library book to school because it was like Thursday library day. And I was so anxious about not having my library book because I'd left it at home that I made myself physically ill, had to go home sick. <laughs> and then when we were home, I had like a mental breakdown and was like, I'm so sorry. I feel so guilty. I actually just forgot my library book and it made me feel sick that I didn't have it. So I felt like it would be better to just not be there than to not have my library book. And my mom was like, why don't we just get your library book? go back to school and explain what happened and that's okay and I was like (laughs) like, it did not feel okay to me so what I'm I'm getting for both of you is that you were not um it's 11 p.m you walk into your mom's bedroom and go I need a poster board for tomorrow that was me 100 (laughs) percent kid that's like it's 11 p.m. and you have to go to the 24-hour CVS, but all of the poster boards are sold out because all the other kids need a poster board yep. at 11 p.m. And then you just like cut open a box and 
But once again, I've become very resourceful because I'm constantly doing things at the last minute. I am a procrastinator. I will say I do that, which I don't think that's why I'm like, I don't know that I can fully identify as type A because there's a lot of type A tendencies that I wish I had (laughs) that I don't have. Is there anybody in the world who's not a procrastinator? I wonder this a lot. This is actually a question that I wonder because we all, I feel like we all have our things that we procrastinate on, right? Watching mm-hmm. me meet one person who's like, actually, no, I get everything done on time when I'm supposed to. I've never. I have friends. I have a friend that's in grad school and she like thrives on that procrastinating. Like she's getting her PhD. And, but I do, I think that no, she doesn't procrastinate. She's just like so good at school. Wow. <laughs> and I don't have any, I was like, maybe I can make it some insight out of that. No, I no, no insights. She's just very good at school. <laughs> well, I think there are some people like, I don't know, my parents always like joke that the people who hate going to the doctor most are doctors. And like, I think that there's like a, so I think you're on to something, Vanessa, about like, everyone has their thing that they procrastinate. So like, maybe you never procrastinate school stuff or work stuff. And you're always like on time there. But it's like, you're probably procrastinating something, whether it's like, you have a weird thing going on and you need to go to the doctor, but you are putting it off or whatever. Like, I feel like everybody has to have something. I, that's what I think. Nobody's perfect, right? Procrastinates <laughs> it. Someone, some people procrastinate it every single thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There we go. And then you just fill the pockets of time with procrastination with the thing <laughs> that you're the latest on. Yes. Well, also, if you don't procrastinate at all, then you're probably procrastinating having fun which is a valuable thing. Or going to therapy. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I think probably a lot of people procrastinate going to therapy. Oh yeah, so so many. Okay, do you you, you feel prepared to transition into what made you sad? Are you okay with that? Yeah, I have been thinking about this a lot lately too, because I think it goes along with the people pleasing mentality. And like once I got SNL, so I've always been kind of a people pleaser and like, I always want to try to help people. That's always like my heart to like, oh, help people give advice. And getting SNL, I just had so many people still like reach out to me for like advice and for coffees and for all this. And it just became so overwhelming. And I was just like so, so stressed about the like, oh, if I don't, then people are going to hate me. And then I want to be able to help. Like, I truly want to be able to help so many people. But it was one of those things where I realized like, I have to be less accessible. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was just spending so much, especially when I first got SNL, I, I had like our first, the hours are just already insane. And I was so exhausted. And I had told a bunch of people on like the week off that we had hiatus. I was like, oh, I'll grab coffee with you. And people wanted to get coffee to talk about comedy and journey and like sketch and stuff, which was great, especially like before I got SNL. It just was like, there was a point where I had like 17 DMs and like 25 text messages. And that was like, two months after I got SNL. When I got SNL, it was like something like 150 DMs and like, oh, wow. like everybody who's ever had my contact is mm-hmm. like reaching out, at, mm-hmm. which was great. But then it was a lot of like me responding and like taking whole days or like hours to just like, okay, I responded to these people. And then I would literally, there was one time where I had like, finally, I, it was like two months in and I felt like I caught up with everybody. And I was like, okay, I had all the coffees with all the people. I texted all <laughs> my the- brain is buzzing. Yes, I can't have any more buzzing. espresso. <laughs> it's I'm good. And then I walked out of the coffee shop and I had like three text messages from people asking for stuff and like seven DMs. And I was just like, I just can't. <laughs> like it literally mm-hmm. was the point where I was like, physically I can't, emotionally I can't, mentally I can't. And 
it was a really good conversation with my dad where he was like you're gonna have to be okay with like some people are going to hate you <laughs> like and like just that reality of not because my head was like oh people like there are gonna be some people who are like not happy <laughs> that I didn't respond or wasn't as readily available uh which is like a bummer and I have had some people call me out I had a girl be like this is she was gonna text me about something and I was like oh text me and she's like okay is it still your same number because I remember I texted once and you didn't respond and I was like still the same number I had <laughs> oh no it was just like You're so awkward because you think like right yeah people will be fine some people won't and I have to that's something that I'm getting used to now and accepting like yeah. some people won't and that's okay because I'd rather what's that like meme that's so cliche that's like spreading around which is like you have to be okay with disappointing other people in order to not disappoint yourself. Mm. And that's something that I've been really trying to get better at and like setting a lot of boundaries and being like, okay, a lot of people have my contact information and they can use it and that's great. But I just genuinely, as much as I truly, and it, I think it comes from a place of like truly wanting to help people and knowing when I was in other people's situation, it's great to like have a friend who's doing things you want advice from, which is awesome. But it just became a point where it's like, so many people or I'm just like I just mentally can't do mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm learning that and I'm shedding that part of my brain that like doesn't have boundaries and it's like well if somebody messages you you must respond <laughs> and you yeah. must do it in a timely manner and actually as I'm saying this I'm thinking of an email from a girl who I did not respond to yet question <laughs> <laughs> like a week ago it's like it's one of those things where yeah I've a part of me is I'm still not great at it uh, but I a part of me is like being okay with or just giving people shorter answers I used to like sit there and type out whole paragraphs and blah blah and I'm just like I just legitimately it's one of those things where it's like do I want to spend my time that I do have like my free time unwinding and hanging out with friends and doing things that I like and enjoy or do I want to spend it doing 17 informational meetings you know what I mean and mm -hmm. so I've gotten a lot better at figuring out like okay what are the things like being intentional myself and being like okay what is it that you really want to do with your time when you have free time when you're available as opposed to just saying yes to everything because my schedule is open so I'm working on that that kind of counts right oh, like oh that totally counts 100 percent okay. counts okay. that's that's nearly textbook I know <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys that's nearly textbook <laughs> Good yeah that's um i like to say that's so far up your alley it's like in your parking spot <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> yes that is big big relate i i yeah that's so interesting because there is like i mean in the comedy world but also in like any world like somebody gets a cool job and everyone's like oh that person got a job at google now i have to talk to them and you don't really think about the flip side of that <laughs> it's like you get your dream job and now all of a sudden you have to like give back to all the people who are like using your advice and everything and that's just like very draining I'm sure yeah I heard I heard a really good analogy from Trevor Noah on another podcast this is like inception of podcast love it and I know where I don't think I'm anywhere near Trevor Noah's level <laughs> I want to be very clear about that <laughs> well, we she, actually we actually this podcast is as successful as Trevor Noah's podcast we're yeah. all like we're it's us and Trevor you know he's, he's basically on the podcast right now because yeah. of this moment <laughs> but he's talking about how this idea of like success isn't really for the successful and a lot of times when you get success it's like great for you because you're doing the thing that you love but there's also this other like 
strings attached to it too, which is something that I didn't even expect to experience, especially at this level where I'm like not famous at all. <laughs> and I didn't even consider the, uh, the idea that like so many people would be reaching out and uh, which is always nice. And it's always fun to have good energy, but it is one of those things where I'm realizing like, okay, there is kind of a, like you want to be able to give back. And I try to as much as I can, but you're also like, I'm only one human and everybody's shooting their shot, which is dope. But when it's like 40 people <laughs> shooting their shot at the yeah. same time, you're like, okay, I'm drowning a little. Yeah. That sounds like planning a wedding. Yeah. It's like the wedding's not for you. Yeah. Like they always tell you that. Like the weddings, I, I exactly. say this as um, someone who is both not on SNL and someone who's not engaged, <laughs> like Becca. But I imagine I that's exactly what it's like. Yeah. No, but it's so true. Yeah. I, I did have that a little bit. So um, I moved here because I had a degree in uh, apparel merchandising. So uh -huh. I worked like in fashion retail for a while and I worked for like big name companies. And all of the time I had students reaching out to me on LinkedIn. And for a while I worked for this like premier vodka company. Ooh. And I was like, who's going to tell these kids? I, cause I basically made swag, right? Yeah. So I'm like, who's going to tell these kids? I work for a cup factory and like the, the cup factory is laying me off because it's moving to France. Like it's just so <laughs> unglamorous on the other side. And that's yeah. what a lot of it, a lot of it is. And I got to the point, and this is just, I know that you said you normally meet up with people, but like. I will not respond. I'm like, if you want 30 minutes of time, like my time, I'll, I'll do it on Zoom. But like emails take so much longer than that for me. And like yeah. crafting something that's in writing forever that I'm like, are they going to share with their friends or what? Like that was so stressful. So I was like, if you truly want to meet with me, 30 minutes of my time on Zoom, that's what I can offer. And if that doesn't work for you, I'm so sorry. And then they would also, it was so funny. They would talk to me, they'd be like, oh, that kind of sounds boring. I'm like, yeah, I would maybe change your major. <laughs> I'm like, I don't do it anymore. So that's so funny. Yeah. DMs and emails sometimes are more effort than meeting up with people because it's like you, they ask one question and then you respond and then it's three more questions. Then you respond and then it's four more questions. And you're like, wait a second, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're in a two week long back and forth. What's happening? You're in a relationship now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to keep it going. Do you ever worry? Like, I don't know. Sometimes this is also going to tell you a lot about me, but sometimes I worry that like I, if I were famous, I would be just so anxious all the time because I would think that people were going to be mad at me or people wanted things from me that I couldn't give them. Or like, like sometimes I just pre like talk myself out of trying for anything with like public attention because I'm like, oh, there's so much that comes with that, that I don't think I could handle. Yeah. I think right now I'm learning and like, I hope to go further and have like my stand-up career take off and stuff and I feel like this is good training wheels in the sense of like if I ever get more attention or whatever to realize now because <laughs> I think if I had been one of those like overnight successes kind of a thing you and maybe this is as far as it goes who knows but I think I I would not have fared well as like a Justin Bieber type or a, like a yeah crumbled immediately under now I get why they do all the drugs I get it <laughs> I would have folded so hard but now I'm realizing I think this was a good training wheels to be like oh okay a lot of people are going to want a lot of things and you can't give those people that thing and you just have to release that and just know that like I think the great part that I've realized now about me too and going back to like the good girl nature of it all is like I, I have a really good radar for when people are trying to get something from me that I can't give them. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to very quickly be like, that's so weird that I haven't talked to this person in seven years. And now they're trying to text me every day to ask yeah. me like things about that. So I've been able to like really weed out those, especially and just like 
get to a point where I'm like, I have a really great circle of like friends and family around me and people who I really like and um, really love and uh, have cultivated that people who are like very, very honest with me. And so for me, I feel less anxiety because I'm like, at the end of the day, I have my core and I've always been like an introvert too. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I have my core group of people. If everybody else hates me, that sucks, <laughs> but, and I'm still like getting used to it, but I'm like, not that everybody hates me right now, unless you guys know something I don't. Um, <laughs> Haven't heard it. It does. It sounds like you're very, if you're, if you're responding to people's DMs about writing for SNL, I think that you're probably <laughs> beloved. <laughs> A couple of my friends have been like, Vanessa, this is, this is insane at this point. Uh-huh. <laughs> like people I haven't talked to in years, I'll just be like writing full paragraphs about, and again, I do love, and if I have a chance and opportunity, I will respond to people, but it is, I am, I, I think when this first happened, I did get a little anxious about that, but I've now come to terms with like, yeah, you got to set boundaries. And if you want your career to get further, you have to start now <laughs> when you're not that big and you don't have much um, with being like, okay, people can now understand that I won't respond as much or whatever. So that's been good. Yeah. yeah. I think that when you said like make it like it's it's not making yourself accessible it's like their access to you instead of so it's not like you owe them something it's like you are inviting them in yes and I think there's like a a diff it's a different way of looking at it and framing it that way is like makes you feel better and it's like healthier yes yeah I, I think that's the one that the access to I love all those memes and stuff I always quote inspirational quotes but I never <laughs> oh we got a game for you oh, guys <laughs> That's so great. But yeah, I always say it it really is about like who has access to you. And I think I just was giving every single person who ever had a chance to be around me access. Mm -hmm. And now I've also my hot tip that I'll tell you that I've gotten better at is if people who I haven't talked to in years text me, I just don't text back. So they think I don't have the same number. anymore. (laughs) That's really smart. If they didn't know, they don't need it. I have changed my number, so people text me, and then I go, sorry, who is this? And I'm like, fuck, I didn't want to talk to you. I should have just like, yeah. <laughs> right. Back to the inspirational quotes. I was thinking of, like, I, I'm sure I saw it on Instagram. I I don't know where else I would see anything. But, like, the, the image of, like, if you're constantly pouring into other people's cups, then your cup is empty. And I feel like that's so true, especially, like, I don't know. I'm... I'm pretty extroverted but like I have a point and I'm usually reaching it like I'm always trying to like plan things and have stuff going on and then it's like a lot of giving yourself even if it's just like giving your time for fun things um it ends up being like a lot of giving yourself and then you're kind of like oh what do I want to do right now Yes, 100%. I think that's the thing I've learned now is I would look at my schedule and be like, oh, I have this whole day free. Yeah, I can meet with this person. I can meet with that person. Instead, I'm like, I have this whole day free. What do I want to do that I would enjoy doing today? Yeah. And you get like one day free a week, right? So (laughs) you definitely should use it for yourself. Exactly. It's all about balance. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I'm curious. So talking about inspirational quotes and things like that, do you, have you ever read any like self-help books? I, I would say I've never read a self-help book on purpose. I've started reading a book <laughs> and discovered, I think this is self-help. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened quite a few times. Uh, but I, dang, not again. I know. Is it like, why did people recommend this to me? Huh? Yes, ahead. exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, I should have known. It's three therapists in a trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> Like, have you guys ever read the book Big, Big Magic? 
No. No, I don't think so. I don't read. Okay. (laughs) I thought there was going to be an end of the, I don't read. I was going to say, I don't read a lot. I simply don't read. I just don't read. Um, No, it was, uh, it's a book. It's really, really good. I don't know if it technically counts as self-help, but it's called Big Magic, uh, The Art of Creative Living, I think. It's by uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so, so good. That's like my, one of my favorite books and I reread that so much and it just kind of helps reframe my brain for like, just like the creative life, you know, and like doing anything that requires you to like kind of be unstable and not fully have a job and have no idea where this is going and what's, <laughs> what's it going to lead to. Um, I think that book is such a good one because it reminds you to put the emphasis back on like the work and the creativity rather than the like, what's going to come from it, you know? Mm, I need to read that. <laughs> I am. Struggling with that, so uh, I know that we were transitioning into the game, and you were doing it beautifully. But I want to, um, so some, so my sister is an animator, and I like purposely was like, I'm gonna go into this other path, and I'm gonna I studied fashion business because being creative for pay mm-hmm. really stressed me out. Yeah. I was like, if I want to be creative, I want it to be like a fun side thing. Like I did a lot of musical theater, and I was like, this is just for fun. I know I'm never gonna be on Broadway, and now like. I, I at least I hope I'm staring down the barrel of like creative for pay and so like how has doing it for fun and like your hobby transitioning into a career how is like that I I still love it but there is a different I think about this I think it's called an allegory I don't know I might be using that word wrong so if I am nobody tell me um <laughs> this story it, it's like uh there was this kid who was like playing on the park and he was having a ton of fun playing on the park and there was an old man who was there who just was watching and seeing this kid like play on the park and have so much fun gave him joy. So he told the kid, he was like, hey, I'll give you a dollar to just come back here tomorrow and play on the park again. And he was like, okay, cool. So he came back the next day, he played on the park, the old man, it just made him happy to watch. He gave him a dollar again. They did this for a few more days. And then uh, the kid came back one day to the old man and was like, uh, okay, where's my dollar? And he was like, oh, I don't have, I don't have a dollar, but you can just play on the park. And he goes, well, then I'm not going to play anymore. And he walked away. And I think that's a lot of like pursuing a creative career is sometimes mm-hmm. you do it just out of like the passion and the fun for it and then all these other things happen and you're like I I'm always amazed by sometimes you'll get jealous of that somebody got a thing and you're like wait but I wanted that thing and then and then you're like do I even belong to be doing like should I mm-hmm. stop and, mm-hmm. I quit? and it happens so quickly it's so crazy and uh, I always have to remind myself like yeah you do want things out of this you want jobs obviously you want to be able to feed yourself off of like your craft which is great but like I've, I've always felt like do, doing the work and enjoying the work is what leads to the rest. And if you ever get to a point, whether you're, you are successful at it or not successful or whatever that means, if you ever get to a point where you're like bitter about it, which we've seen so much of that in stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're like, I've been doing this for 12 years and I'm not passing any cut. And you're like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what to do for you. Um, so I always try to remind myself. That's a like, whole genre of stand-up. Yes. <laughs> a whole genre and that stand-up. attitude is not helping. Yeah. No. no, it's not. Oh my gosh. I had a spot at a club the other day and a man did that. He like kept coming in. He was like, so when did you get past here? Oh, how long have you been doing stand-up? Oh, I've been doing it for 10 years. And I was just like, I don't know what to tell you. I just want to say, so my summer camp that I used to go to, we had this like really funny like head of the camp and she had all these sayings and that was like the whole like they always use these like quotes and um 
one of her quotes was, um, when you stop having fun, you die. <laughs> I just was thinking about that with stand-up comedy. And I'm like, people stop having fun and then they do stand-up for like 20 more years. And I'm like, if only you knew that when you stop having fun, you die. <laughs> yeah, that's, I know, isn't that so true? It's, I always think of it as like, stand-up to me is like my fun, you just get to do it released. Like mm-hmm. it's the, I love writing and I love like having a job where you get to do comedy, but it is like, okay, you, we need 10 jokes in an hour or we need like three sketches by tomorrow kind of a thing. And so stand-up is the like, nobody's telling you what you have to write, what you can joke about, what you can say about. And that kind of keeps me energized for like all of it where I'm like, oh yeah, this is so great. <laughs> I get to do whatever I want. Yeah, I love that. I, I was talking to somebody one time who has like a pretty successful podcast and his point of view was like, I do all this other stuff, like the podcast and the like Instagram and all of that. And he was like, that is to fuel the thing I like doing, which is stand up. And he was like, I get to do stand up as a reward for all this other stuff. And like, he was like, when I started, I was going to 12 open mics a night and just like doing the grind. I don't know. I, I just, that really kind of spoke to me because he was like, I was not happy for a really long time when I was just putting in the grind. And now that I see stand up as like this fun thing that I get to do, it's, it's so much better. Yeah, it's so true. Okay, cool. Is it, is it time for the game? Yes. All right, so do you want to tell us what's the name of the game? What's the name of the game? You, you named the game, so you get to say it. I did. So the, na- the game is called The Word of God. Um, and then I also added liturgical literature because I thought that was funny. But then I was like, actually, maybe that's not funny. Um, so we it's like an actual section in Barnes and Noble. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I also just was like, I don't know. I love an alliteration. And then I'm like, is alliteration always funny or is it just alliteration? I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. Okay. So um, we talk a lot on this podcast about like Christian culture and specifically like female Christian culture with like kind of negative messages about like you know women should be submissive to men and men should chase women and are you, are you familiar with Girl Defined? Yes. Okay yes so Girl Defined is the vibe um, that we usually like to talk about um, but so this time we wanted to pull in some Christian self-help books. Yes yeah, so the so the word of God um, we Sid and I just like kind of separately thought it was funny some of the names of Christian self-help self-help books and so we decided to make up some names of our own and we have um, mixed in real names and fake titles um, and we want to see if you can guess which ones are real and which ones are fake. I love this. (laughs) It was very fun to make I'm not gonna lie. We wrote it in like three minutes because we had, we were just bursting with ideas. The creative energy was flowing. (laughs) The juices were juicing. Um, Okay. Um, I'll go first. Great. Sounds good. Okay. The well-watered woman rooted in faith, growing in grace, flourishing in faith. Oh, is it two separate? um, It's like the the, the tagline. Um, Yeah. They almost all have colons and then more (laughs) titles. Yeah, this is one title, okay. and then because they always need to explain themselves, Gosh. so the metaphor of being a flower has to be explained in three separate parts. Okay. Um, but yes, the well-watered woman, rooted in truth, growing in grace, flourishing in faith. That's real. That's real. That is real. I also I over-explained it, which typically happens. <laughs> I love it. Okay, the second one is called Water to Wine, the God-Honoring Diet. Not real. Yeah, that's fake. <laughs> Okay, 
Jesus Feminist, an invitation to revisit the Bible's view on women. I want to say not real. Real. It's real. real. It's real. And I kind of want to read it because that sounds interesting. Yeah. Huh. I'm kind of into like a Christian who's also openly a feminist. Like I want to read that book. Well, Becca can have a book club and famously I do not read, but I will watch any movie you recommend to me. Well, when this podcast is super successful, uh, we'll have a Patreon and I'll do a book club to go along with it. Perfect. And I'll do a movie watch club because I will not read. (laughs) Or Becca, we can just have whole episodes of Becca recapping books to me. (laughs) That would be good. (laughs) Love it. I'll be clear, I can read. It's not a Leah Michelle situation. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. All right. The next one. How to find a soulmate without losing your soul. Uh, I'm going to say that's false. That's real. That's, That's real. a real one. And it's written by, at least in the Midwest, the like top tier purity culture celebrity icons. Who? Um, the Everett's, like Kristalina. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know them. Um, they're like a huge thing in the Midwest. I actually thought that they were like from Indiana, the way that they were hyped up so far. Are they a couple? So, yes. They're a married couple. Oh, classic. Uh-huh. They have great <laughs> advice. There was like, just wait, it worked for us. <laughs> That's the whole book. Pretty dangerous rhetoric in this one, I remember specifically. Interesting. Yeah. It's not just like, wait if you want. Wait, because you must. And if you don't, no men will ever, ever like you. And that's <laughs> that's not great. Um, okay, my turn, right? Through the Lion's Den, The Guide to Christian Dating. I think this one is real. That one is fake. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was I really proud of that one. I was also like, that's like a good title. Like, that would be a good book. But it's also like, it's not that brutal. Like, you're not going to get mauled by a bear. It's yeah. just dating. Okay, but like, if you're trying to be a strong Christian in the dating world, it is like a lion's den. Which I think is what scared me off of dating for so long, is that <laughs> I was like, I'm constantly going to get tested in my faith every five minutes. And no, it was like listening to guys talk about the Rangers. That's so funny. They don't prepare you in these books to listen to men talk about the Rangers. <laughs> Nailing this though. Because <laughs> I actually am still a Christian, but I've always like, I'm not one of the crazy ones. And mm-hmm. this is confirming that for me. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I don't know a single one of these books. So I think it's like a very... Yeah. far far right vibe actually that's my fave um, <laughs> through the lines loved it through the lines you're like how oh, you're like how did, how did you hear about that the yeah. copyright the copyright hasn't gone through yeah. it's mine <laughs> okay this next one um girl wash your face stop believing the lies about who you are so you can become who you were meant to be we all know this one real but I feel like it's not based off of her real life so <laughs> okay I I follow and love the celebrity memoir book club podcast on TikTok but they just did an episode on Rachel Hollis who's the author of this book and it seemed really really fascinating and then they were talking about all these other podcasts who have done like three episode series on her and her like books and her life and stuff so I need to do a lot more research because I just knew the like bare minimum of like she's got a crazy situation going on yeah she's one of those people where you know a lot of facts and then you go that was all the same person yeah well she's one of those people which I don't love is like anytime your like personality has to become the way you make money that seems like a very stressful way to make money not your personality but like your life like reality Mm -hmm. show stars or like true tried and true influencers not just like comedy content like people who like me going to the mall is now (laughs) possibly for money yeah Mm -hmm. she's 
point where she like wrote all these books about her life, but then it became unraveled. And she was like, who told you that I was a real girl? And I was like, you did. (laughs) Yeah. So interesting to me. Wild. Yeah. I think especially couples, like, I think it would be really hard to bring your marriage into, I don't know. I think this about like TikTok couples a lot because I'm like, y'all aren't married. Like, and even if you are married, marriages don't always last forever. I just feel like that's a dicey thing to bring into the public eye I can't be into a TikTok couple I always say that feels like the worst the worst way to uh, for a relationship to go and maybe there are some who can do it right but a lot of them it looks like it starts off as like real and then at some point it becomes like a fake them pretending they have a I don't know I'm always or they're always like I do not want to be constantly filming myself in the kitchen yeah no I'm good like cute little montages don't make me do that don't I'm like, or like don't prank me the people who prank each other I'm like I would serve you divorce papers right then yes. and there no, <laughs> yes. some of them are like too intense I'm like don't do that I say not interested like all the time and I'm like I don't want to block this person because that feels like I'm just like a bitter single person mm-hmm. but TikTok TikTok if you're listening on my phone please <laughs> stop serving me that guy who was on the radio and that girl who oh, has blonde hair I know I'm good You're another one who I'm <laughs> Anna I love her I know I too but there's a I have been overserved. I I am drunk on their content I've been overserved. I'm good well I felt that too but it's like all of her content now is just their relationship and I'm like there's something that's gotta be weird there because it's like you I don't know to me at least I hope maybe they have a whole different other private life but to me it's like when your entire relationship becomes the way that you make a living now which her she's like the prime example to me which I love her. I think she's amazing. I mm-hmm. hope she thrives and they have the perfect relationship. But it just seems to me like you, your entire relationship is like you guys filming each other and like, oh, it just, it, it would be too intense. That feels like a lot of pressure for me that I wouldn't want. Well, and especially after she went through such a public breakup, like her, she did that with her old boy. I mean, he wasn't, I don't think he was in as many videos because they were long distance, but like she was very sad, like, publicly when they broke up and I just I don't know I feel I feel for people who are young I think she's like 22 23 and I'm just like yeah <laughs> I just want to be like keep it private I don't know I like to pretend I'm like maybe they just film these for 15 minutes out of their day and the rest of their day is not that that's what I hope yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like if they're spending hours on this that's not good but I'm yeah pretend that it's just those 10 minutes and then they're like okay let's be real people yeah maybe it's all fake and they've gamed the system and like honestly which I hope that they have I hope they have truly I hope they have gamed the system and they are living their best lives apart from the cameras and that's all just for content (laughs) yes it makes me so sad yeah me too okay moving on yes okay um the devil detox a 90-day plan to rid your life of temptation I think that's real it's fake really yeah (laughs) that's a good one said (laughs) this always happens we write fake stuff and we're like that sounds like a good book that sounds like a good movie I'm like you know maybe we need to write some of these and then go from there yeah I think what's throwing me off is all the the what do they call it after the subtitles the subtitles yeah the subtitles because they always have subtitles and those are always the ones that get me because mm-hmm. it's like double detox are big maybe not but then you're like a 90 day and I'm like oh yeah <laughs> I can do that in 90 days <laughs> yeah. it's like a, but it's a what have you told you it's a detox tea it's an MLM and it rids your body of demons yeah. I feel like we are we are one step away from that kind of thing Were there? oh truly 100 <laughs> percent 
I'm so I'm so intrigued by the demon thing. We that was not part of my my Christian youth at all, and that would have scared the living daylights out of me. Was a huge a huge thing in my life. (laughs) I would have thought about it every single day. I I mean, when we had Samantha on, we obviously did think about it all the time. We thought that we were going to, like, we yeah, we thought we were going to be asked by God to die for God. Like we always thought about being martyrs and mm-hmm. we always thought about possession. And because we knew that, I don't know if you know much about Catholics, in every diocese, there is one priest that is the dedicated exorcist. Oh, I didn't Exerciser. Yeah. <laughs> Exercise. So they are trained to exercise demons. Uh-huh. So I'm so afraid of ghosts. I'm so afraid of ghosts. <laughs> I'm so afraid of- You're Like so. And yeah, and one time at my Catholic like youth group lock-in, they took us to a haunted house and I was like, are we allowed to be here? Yeah, what happened? <laughs> I was like, this is this is encouraging the demons into my life. That's so funny. And then it like spilled over into like, people would do the Bloody Mary thing uh-huh. in the mirror. And I was like, no, <laughs> yeah. not for me. To this day, I will like, no Ouija boards, tarot still kind of freaks me out. That's like all so of that is- yeah that's so interesting a little a little scary like for me. not for me yeah wow okay. speaking of scary should i read the next title <laughs> um okay so this one is the mama bear apologetic study guide empowering your kids to challenge cultural lies i'm gonna say true yeah that one's real i could not possibly make that up it's like apologetics that's the yeah, the the little like subtext is calling all mama and papa bears when your kids come home from school asking questions about everything from moral rev- relativity to cultural Marxism to whether God even exists. You need to be prepared with biblically sound answers. I would do, love if a kid did that. Yeah, it's like, do you do you go home and ask yeah. about um cultural Marxism yeah. every day? Yeah, just, I would be like, you must be smart. Yeah, <laughs> I would be like, that's impressive. I'd be, also, I would, what is moral relativity? Yeah. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Oh, moral relativism. Um, so the thing about apologetics is I did have to take apologetics. It's different. It like our things were different, but I went to Catholic school, right? So for our final theology class of our senior year, you have to take like defense of the Catholic church, which is pretty intense. Yeah. Um, but moral relativism is like, there is no true right or wrong. I'm pretty sure. Um, so like what, what is true for me can be true, doesn't have to be true for you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, okay. That comes into play a lot with like the LGBTQ community. And so it's like, no, being gay is wrong and you have to stand up for that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, Yikes. Okay. Okay. Well, good to know. Do you want to read the next one, Sid? Yes. Sound and furious, the fight to keep God in your heart. Sounded not real. Not real. Nice. That one seems real to me. Um, okay, the next one. Driven, di- uh, driven disciple, girl bossing for his glory. <laughs> no. Is that real? No, it's fake. Okay. <laughs> girl bossing for his glory. But yet again, should be real. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Jesus is my boyfriend. How to date the Lord while you're searching for love. Real. Fake. Oh really? Yeah. Is there? I feel like I've heard. Of I was a like, yeah, like, like that. Um, Probably. I was like, that guy. Do a quick Google search. Did we commit perjury? Yeah. Is perjury. Plagiarism. Real one? Well, the funny thing is, my mom. My mom said, no, that can't be real. <laughs> I was like, hello. Yeah. Jesus is my boyfriend. Is definitely like a thing. 
that people say though okay so there is a book but it doesn't seem to be like a real book you know like sometimes amazon has books and you're like you put this on here yourself self-published e-reader it's called secret chapel of love and lust jesus lover series which i think is jesus fan fiction (laughs) okay all right okay on to the next on to the next um you have three more okay so we're gonna rip no just two more oh there's two more sorry i can't read once oh i've added myself as a person who can't read it is a leah michelle situation okay girls with sores how to carry your cross like a hero real 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 it's real you should be weaponizing children give them swords yes absolutely okay and then the last one my personal favorite swimming in sin how quitting my finance job and moving to the bahamas helped me find jesus <laughs> is that real no it's fake but i based, <laughs> I, but I was like what <laughs> i based it on those like those that that blog post that like went around five years ago that was like how quitting corporate job and like living in costa rica or whatever <laughs> I think about it all the time. That's so funny. <laughs> you did a great job. Yay. Amazing work. Okay. Well, so the next thing that we do, which is just to wrap it up, um, we like to call it passing the offertory plate because we think that's cute. Um, <laughs> so we would love to pass you the plate. And if you have anything that you would like for people to, um, to, I, what is the metaphor? I lost it. <laughs> um, it used to be like, somebody want to put a little money in. Yeah. Anyway, anything you want to... Yeah, pass the operatory plate. Pl- it's, it, this is the place where you plug yourself if we have... Oh, I love it. Cool. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at VeryVanessa with two N's. And I'm hopefully doing an hour somewhere at the end of the summer. Not like filmed or anything, just to like try and get all of my stuff in an hour. So it'll be rough, but we'll do it. I don't know where and I don't know when. Love <laughs> it. to find out. So you have to follow me to find out. But we'll be doing that. Well, let us know when it is because we would love to come and also post about it on our page. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Okay, perfect. Awesome. So you can follow me at on Instagram at the Becca Stevenson or on TikTok and Twitter at the real underscore Becca. Yeah, I don't know. I, I acted like I had more to say. That's all there is for me to say. <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> to find out what her high-powered corporate job is. Mm. Stalker. Um, and you can follow me, Sid King, at Sid period, the period King on Instagram and Sid J King on Twitter. My um, visible name or whatever that's called is Little Seal Girl Living in the Real World. Just once again, plugging as told by Ginger, as we showed every episode. And um, you can follow Good Girls Gone Sad um, at Good Girls Gone Sad on Instagram and TikTok. And you can also email us at goodgirlsgonesad at gmail.com. I would love to hear what you have to say. And then I'll tell Becca what you said if it is nice. She doesn't like to hear mean things. That is so kind. I really appreciate that. <laughs> you gotta go through me to get to Becca. After this conversation, especially, protect me. <laughs> and um, whatever platform you're listening on, please like and or give us five stars or give us whatever, however many stars you feel is appropriate. We're not As long as it. it's more than four. As long as it's four and above, you know, people will know it's real if there's, you know, a little point something, you know, Um, and leave us a little review. And I think that's it from us. Bye. Awesome. Bye.
thank you to DJ Skip to my Luke who produced our amazing intro theme. You can follow him on Instagram at Skip to my Luke underscore. Thank you.